This is We Are Jet. Hello and welcome. My name is Ed Palmer. On this podcast, we tell the stories of people who've had to drastically readjust their mindset, team culture and ways of working, all to match the pace of a rapidly changing organisation. In this episode, I speak with Guido Fambach, Executive Vice President of Sales at JustEatTakeaway.com, about building a global sales organisation that is both high-performing and truly scalable. We'll discuss creating a legacy, positive visualisation, and a whole new approach to incentives for sales teams. So when you think about uh, designing uh, a scalable sales organisation, it has to function like an engine. So whether it's for 10 partners or 10,000 partners, whether it's for 10 people or 10,000 people, the processes have to be the same. The steps that people have to take to from lead to closure have to be the same. Everything has to be designed and shared across all countries in the same way. So hello and welcome Guido. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us where you fit within JET and also how you fit within, within your team? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Guido van Bach, uh, 47 years old, married, two daughters, one of 14, one of uh, 16. We also have a Shih Tzu dog, a very tiny uh, dog that is. Um, I work at JET as EVP sales, which means I'm responsible uh, to enable all sales teams around the globe in uh, execution. Fantastic. Let, let's um, rewind to when you joined JET and this is a bit of a philosophical question, but did you know the ethos of Jet was compatible with your ethos? Did you share values? Did you know it was the right fit for you when you joined? There were a couple of reasons why Jet has been the right fit for me and why I, I joined. First of all, I wanted to work for a company that had their headquarters in the Netherlands. That was important yep. for me after years of working for an American headquarters company. Uh, the people that I talked to were really pleasant, really open, full of energy, which gave me a lot of energy as well. I like food. I like tech. So it kind of hit all the checkboxes that I was looking for. And I, I really had some chemistry with all the people involved in the interview process that basically made it a very easy decision for me to uh, to make the step. Fantastic. So um, perhaps you and, you and Jet share an ethos. Can you apply an ethos? Can you apply principles to a international sales organization? And if so, what what are those what are those principles? What can they be? I think that some of the principles are already in the question. Uh, international sales organization, right? Those are already three important principles for being a global sales organization. Right? You have to think global. It which means that it has to be a fit that everybody can use. It has to be focused on sales because what's the job that we have to do? It's sales. And the third one, it has to be an organization. And what you typically see with companies that have grown so fast is that it's more like a group of salespeople rather than a sales organization. So you have to add structure in a way that it starts to operate like a machine. Because if you want to scale, it has to be a machine. So th those are important principles of uh, having a global sales organization. On the software side, you want to help people in being successful. You want to empower people. You want to make sure that people feel enabled to achieve the results that we sent them out to deliver against. Fantastic. Now, we'll come to those soft skills a little bit later, yep. that sense of empowerment that you, that you want to um, create in your people. But let's talk about the, the systems that are scalable. 
Can you give us a bit more detail about what systems need to be in place? Because, of course, if we look at JET over the last 10 years, the most notable thing, of course, about JET over the last 10 years is that sense of scale and growth. What functions do you need in place to scale a sales machine? It's a great question. So think of this as as an engine in a car. Whether you drive 20 miles an hour or 120 miles an hour, it's still the same engine, and the engine is performing the same task. They just perform it with more velocity, more power, right? But it, it's still the same thing that happens in the engine. So when you think about uh, designing uh, a scalable sales organization, it has to function like an engine. So whether it's for 10 partners or 10,000 partners, whether it's for 10 people or 10,000 people, the processes have to be the same. The steps that people have to take to from lead to closure have to be the same. Everything has to be designed and shared across all countries in the same way. So that makes it easier if you want to make a change because you can implement it and implement it across all countries. But it also makes it easier for people to work with it because it's always the same process. And that's super important when you want to achieve scale. So is it about finding a balance between using that formula, using the systems, but equally a lot of us, we're all individuals and we all have personal strengths and weaknesses. So is there room for individuals to flourish within, within that system? Most definitely, yes. The system is there, the processes are there to make sure they can actually focus on flourishing, right? You don't have to think about all the other stuff, that's being taken care of. And you know that the company has your back, right? So all the nitty gritty is facilitated. You have a, a solid solution, uh, a CRM solution to support your, your admin. You have a, a, a prepared a contract so you don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. You have a trainings designed to, to help you deal with uh, com- complex situations. You have uh, solutions that can instantly show how you're performing against your goal. You have support from from your manager. You have uh, automated uh, solutions that pop up questions if you are short of, uh, of creativity, right? So all these things are there to actually help you flourish. And, and that's what we as a, as a global sales team are trying to create, that enablement part. And it helps the, the, the salespeople on the ground to actually do what they're good at, and that's selling. So I guess it's about creating a solid base which allows people to improvise, for want of a better word, because they, they've always got that, that solid base. Maybe that's actually a good point, because I, I gave the example of an engine, but you still have to have a driver. See the salesperson as the driver, see the engine as the enablement team. So you still can make the decision if you go left or right, but... Uh, but you can't go faster than the engine goes. Then we have to optimize the engine. Um, but you still have the support of the engine that the car will drive. Brilliant. Thank you. Right. So you mentioned soft skills. You mentioned empowerment of your people. How important is mindset? And how, if it is important, how do you um, improve the mindset within your organization, within your team? I would say mindset is everything for a salesperson because se- selling is not easy. Right, You have to deal with uh, complex situations. You have to deal with partners that want to negotiate. You have to deal with people that say no. You have to deal with uh, competitors. And they always look better, the competitors. You know how it is. 
yeah. at the same time, you also have to deal with a lot of pressure you're getting from uh, from your management to be successful. So it's not easy, right? And, and then you go to a partner and then the partner say, yeah, yeah, very interesting, but no. That's when your job starts. And that's when you, your mindset needs to be uh, like that you feel that that is your cue to start your job. And that if uh, it's no after no after no, you still continue because if you go the extra mile, if you go further than anybody else, you're most likely to win. So you have to be resilient. You have to have that mindset of uh, uh, wanting to win, to always go that extra mile in order to be successful. So how do you how do you create that mindset? If somebody comes to you and is in your team for whatever reason and they don't have they don't have that mindset to the degree that you'd like them to have. How do you how do you grow that mindset? Through coaching, um, uh, supporting the, the, the salesperson, um, and uh, providing feedback. Right. So it's important that people feel that uh, the manager has their back, but the manager is also there to to help uh, grow their ability to sell, and that's done through coaching and feedback. Um, and how regularly do your teams get feedback from yourself and equally from, from each other? Um, daily. I know that you are an uh, advocate of positive visualization. So w- what does that mean to you? How does it, how does it work? Um, how, do you, how does it affect your day-to-day running of your team? Do you, do, uh, do you run uh, at... Not at the moment, but I have done in the past. Okay. So if you go out running and at some point you feel tired, uh, sometimes you, you think like, oh, I'll go for that to that stopping light and uh, then I'll see further. And then you are at the stopping light and you think like, I'm going to go for the next stopping light. That's Part of that is visualization. Part of that is stretching yourself, setting uh, bigger goals for yourself every time because that takes you further. Um, if you think big, if you think further you will achieve more, you will go further. And for that, visualization is important. If you look at athletes before an important match, you often see the camera pointed at them and the, the, the commenter says, yeah, they're, they're concentrating. No, they're not concentrating, they're visualizing. They're visualizing the victory. Because if, 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 the, if you can visualize uh, what you will achieve, the likelihood of you achieving it will be greater. Fantastic. And do you take specific time out of your day or your week or your month to spend time visualizing? Or is it something that just happens as part of your day? Yeah, for me, it's sort of a habit. Uh, and uh, people that know me always know that I'm thinking about the next thing already. If I look at my team, the way we we have constructed that is that we've given everybody a, a, a big, hairy, audacious goal. So really a very stretched uh, goal that they have to achieve within three years. The, the question that they are working with is not if, the question is how. So how do you achieve that? So what do you have to do? What do you have to do differently? Or what different things do you have to do to achieve that uh, audacious goal? And they have to think about it. They have to visualize that. And by doing that every day, thinking about that everything you do is getting you closer to that big goal, you start to see that people are building up a mindset that puts them at a, in a much better place, in a much more successful position. 
Fantastic. Thank you. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't seem to me to be what I would think of as a typical sales person. When, if you think of a stereotype of a, a salesperson, you think of um, larger than life, bombastic, forceful presences, whereas you seem to me to be a very thoughtful and philosophical business person. Do, do you think that you are um, not typical of salespeople? No, no. I mean, uh, there's this image that a, a salesperson uh, is like you just described, but the successful salespeople are just repeating their daily job every day and uh, they work with a method. And by continuously following that method, by continuously uh, stretching themselves to go faster using that method, they're far more successful. So you don't have to look like a salesperson to be a salesperson. Thank you. Right. Okay. So what is your objective for your team? How, full disclosure, I know that you want your team to be the best sales organization in the world, but how do you, how do you make that happen? Well, we already talked about a couple of things. Uh, uh, the right, having the right mindset, having the right stretch goal, having the, the right focus, uh, Working as a team, it's not about just you or me, it's about us, right? That, that, that's important. And um, by continuously working on that, providing each other uh, feedback and understanding from each other that feedback is a positive thing. It's something that will help you. It can be sometimes tough. You don't have to be nice all the time to each other. You can also have an argument. But as long as everybody understands that it's meant to, be, uh, to become the winning team, then it's okay. People can deal with it. Um, so there's a lot of things that we do on a daily basis to move the needle to becoming that winning uh, winning team. And I mean, I often get the question of why why the winning team. And I always refer reverse that question. Like, if you wake up uh, and you go to your work, uh, do you go to work to win or do you go to work just to sit there? Right. Uh, you want you want to be successful. You want to be successful. You want to you want to win. Uh, I, d I don't see another option for a salesperson, to be honest. Guido, you mentioned um, you visualize your sales um, machine, your sales organization, as an engine, and the objective is to increase the velocity of the engine. How do people, individuals, fit within that um, allegory ha uh, analogy? How do they? How do they increase their own personal velocity within the organization? It's a great question. So there are a couple of things. So first of all, part of building this, this engine is to take away overhead, right? There are a lot of things in a sales process that people do that aren't really contributing to the actual sale, but they have to do because it's, yeah, yeah. The, it's there. So <laughs> if you can take that away, you save them time. By saving time, they can focus that time to do more things that are focused on sales. So that by itself increases uh, velocity. If you have simple and clear processes that don't, they don't feel like you have to go through a process, but it's just, it feels like support. And you do that uh, a couple of times, you actually start to do that quicker, right? Re remember we were talking about running. If yeah. you run, if you train enough, you run faster, you run faster, you run faster, you run faster. That's just training yourself. So that's the same with process. The more you know you're uh, familiar with the process, the faster you can go through that process. So if you add those things up, 
less overhead, easier uh, process. Uh, uh, you pick up speed and things go by itself and you start to focus on new things. Like, hey, uh, if I don't have to mind that contract, I can actually talk about the content of the contract. Right? And, th- and yeah. then you suddenly start to play around with different uh, values that you can create for the partner, the ones that could actually make a difference to win that sale. Th- those are important things that we have to enable the sales team with as a global function and a salesperson has to yeah, educate him or herself to, uh, to, to leverage that. So I know a lot of people who view processes in their workplace as um, irritation and an obstacle to their work. So how do you make those processes, like you've just described, more like a support for your team as opposed to something they have to do that, that gets in their way? Yeah, it's always trying to find the, the balance of just enough. <laughs> right? That, that's what you're trying to do with processes. You don't want to kill people with process. You want to enable people through process. So when we come up with a step or an automation or, or anything that we think is supportive, and we always go to the market and, and check, uh, does that really work in a market? And probably every market will say either yes or no for a different reason. But we try to find, let's say, the right balance that could work for everybody. So, uh, maybe less for some, more for the other, but at least it's good enough for everybody. And, and good enough is good enough. Thanks. Um, so you mentioned some of the challenges that face all salespeople. You continually, you have pressure from above. You're continually facing people saying no to you. You have to have the resilience to keep going. What about the specific challenges for Jet and your team? What are the challenges that you face in 2022 and moving forward? I mean, Jet has grown super fast and uh, by uh, acquiring companies uh, and that was further amplified by the, 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 the by Corona, people starting to, to order more and more and more. Uh, it's further amplified by uh, the new generation that wants convenience and they want instant convenience. So it all plays to our business model. And if you look at uh, that, that fast uh, uh, growth, it sort of creates a need to get a bit more structure, right? It sort of plays to the need of uh, being facilitated more in, in selling. But what also happens is that if a market grows super fast, there will be more compet- competitors joining that market because they see the market opportunity. When there are more c- competitors, there's more pressure on pricing, there's more pressure on services that you provide to partners. There's more pressure on uh, providing uh, uh, discounts or vouchers or services to consumers. So from full-blown tailwind, the market starts to shift to having a bit more turbulence, having a bit more headwind. And at that point, having a, a strong sales force can really make the difference. Right? Nobody has a perfect product. Nobody has perfect uh, services. But the best you can do is having a very strong and well-trained, well-educated sales force that can be that missing link, that can translate the services in the right way to the consumers and to the partners that they want to work with us and that they want to continue to work with us. So a strong sales force is super important in the phase that we're in in this company. So what, what does that, that sales force need to achieve? Does it need to bring more restaurants onto the platform? Does it need to increase 
um, the value of each sale? I mean, what does what are your objectives in the next couple of years? It's all of that. I mean, you want to have the the biggest, best, and broadest choice everywhere for your consumers. So you need to have all restaurants. You need to have all groceries. You need to have everything, right? So size matters. At the same time, you want to have the best. So you want to have a differentiated uh, supply for consumers, right? Every time you're in a different postal code area uh, and you fancy Thai, you want to have the availability of ordering Thai. If you miss a few grocery items, you want to have the availability for grocer wherever you are. So you need to have a lot of partners and you want to have diversity in the, in the partners. At the same time, you want to also grow the value and the business of your partner network. Because at some point they make the choice, why with you and not with the other? So if you can add more value to the partner, you can enable them to grow their business. That goes a long way as well. So you want to land all partners, you want to retain all partners, and you want to expand their business. And, and that's the core to our sales uh, strategy, land, retain, expand. How do you help a restaurant expand its business? Oh, there are a lot of things that you can do. You can help them uh, uh, be more visible on the platform. You can help them better organize their kitchen and restaurant to fulfill more orders. So help them with the organization. You can help them with uh, uh, loyalty products that more consumers will come back to, you, to your restaurant. Um, you can help them with all kinds of different services uh, out there. But also you can give them a lot of attention because we're a tech company for sure. But in all the, the whole tech environment, personal attention is also very meaningful. So having a crew of account managers that visit the, the partner on a regular basis, have a conversation, understand the partner, is also super important to build that relationship. That's really interesting. I didn't realize the depth, really, of the relationship that you have with your restaurant partners. So, Guido, how do you tie the growth of a restaurant um, partner with the rewards and recognition that you give to your sales force. How are those things linked? Yeah, so uh, the way I look at rewards and incentives is really to encourage behavior, right? You, you reward people, you put money on, on certain behavior and that and people will, will follow that. So on, on one hand, uh, we are working on a lot of, in, let's say softer incentives like gamification to make it very attractive to let's say, in, on a, in a healthy way, compete with each other. Yeah. Like, hey, my colleague is getting more restaurants in or upselling that restaurant uh, better or is getting more liquor store or bakeries in. So that competition with leaderboards, that's pretty cool. That works well. But at the same time, you want to also put in incentives that are uh, based on driving value for the partner. Because in the end, we... The more we create valuable relationships with uh, partners, the longer they stay with us, the more supply, the more choice we can offer to our consumers. So are you rewarding behaviors rather than results? Because that seems, that seems unique. The, the outcome of behavior is result. <laughs> okay. Right? So, uh, of course, we're putting incentives on results and we're putting incentives on behaviors. So if you look at our incentive uh, uh, schema, it's 70% is predicated on results, and the results are translated in the, the partner you bring in, but also the value you create for that partner. 
right? And uh, we want to make sure that people are not just focusing on coming in and going out. We're focusing on allowing them to build that relationship. So that's that's a big part of the, the incentives. The 30% is really on the behavior. So the, what goes in to achieve that result? So that's more input-based. We call that MBOs. So the the outcome is what we call partner points. It's like our currency to translate uh, partner value and, and landing the account into a, uh, points. And the MBOs is more based on the input. So how do you achieve those partner points? And that combination uh, works really well because uh, as a team, you have the ability to earn points across the entire uh, journey. So on one end, you get points for landing the right restaurant or bakery or, or chain. The account management team also earns points for providing and upselling things that are of value to the partner and are of value to us and the consumer. So everybody across the journey can earn points and you have to achieve a certain amount of points to get your incentive. If you stay below the points, there's a decelerator because we're not in the business of rewarding unsuccessfulness. Okay. When you're above 100, there's a very fast accelerator because we want to uh, super reward being successful. And with that combination, you're also steering the behavior into the right direction. What do you think is appealing about JET as an organization for this huge number of young sales professionals that you need to run your, your sales machine? So first of all, uh, JET as a company is a, is a great company to work for. And uh, it, it, there's a lot of positive energy, very open culture, very transparent culture. Senior managers are very accessible. So that's, that's, I think those are important traits of a, of a good company. If you look at uh, why are we attractive for young people, it, it also has to do with how we look at sales. We, we look at sales as being a profession. Uh, you, you just told me like you don't look like a salesperson uh, because <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, no, but that's, uh, I think that was actually a, a great comment because I see it as a profession. So you need to have the skills, you need to have the education, you need to understand what you're doing, you need to follow a certain process, certain methodology in order to be successful. And you don't learn that in school, right? You learn a lot of things in school, but you don't you, do, you don't learn how to sell. What we can do for uh, young people, young salespeople, is that we can help them learn the profession of sales, right? We, we learn them the skills, we provide them the, the tools, we, uh, we help them understand what it takes to be successful in, uh, in sales. And ideally, the legacy that we want to achieve is that, let's say in 10, 20 years from now, somebody that has uh, grown up to be like a, a manager thinks back to the time they worked at Jet, things like I'm still applying some things I learned at Jet that actually are still useful to apply right now. Yeah. And I'm actually teaching that to the young people that are coming into my team. Of course, we want people to come in and to stay for a very long time with us because we, we like loyalty. But we also know people won't be working for us for 40 years. Yeah. But if we can create a legacy that people can still remember that uh, being at Jet has been game-changing to their careers, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, a question away from sales slightly. Everyone I've interviewed on We Are Jet has mentioned the culture at Jet, and they've all said 
very open. They've all said non-hierarchical. They've all said that the leadership teams are very accessible. Yeah. So my question is, is that a result of the leadership team's personality or are there systems in place within the organization that mean you have a leadership team that is accessible? I think it's a little bit of both. The fact that we're open and accessible also comes from the fact that a couple of years ago, uh, Jesse Takeaway was still a startup, right? Yeah. So you still have that startup vibe. It's now a startup in a big body, uh, a large corporate body, but it still has that same vibe. So people feel the opportunity to be entrepreneurial. People feel the the, the, the openness to uh, contribute. So that has not changed. I think what is changing is that because we're, and we have become such a big company, we're implementing the, the different processes and tools needed to maintain that, but also put that in a framework that fits being a big mark, uh, a listed company. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your team for a second, focus on them. Um, tell us about a time when you've been particularly proud of your team. You're, you're asking them to be the best sales team in the world. So <laughs> how are they getting on? Let's celebrate them. Let us know uh, of some of their, their great achievements. So uh, I'm proud if they do the job that they have to do and people are saying, hey, this was done differently and more professional than we're used to. Right, so we, we have a couple of examples of, let's say, uh, fast turnarounds that we had to do within the company. We pulled together a team in sales. We pulled together a, a steering committee uh, from other functions and other departments. And we, we, we led this uh, uh, project in six weeks to a result. Um, very professionally, very well managed by, by the team. And also, I heard from the different departments and the different functions, wow, this was actually very professional and really good that you guys involved the other functions and the other departments, was well-led, well-managed. That makes me proud because that shows that we're doing things uh, very sophisticated, very fast, and very professional. And I think that, that sets the tone for how people can look at sales. And are your sales team quite integrated with other functions? Because I know within some organizations, sales can feel like they're a, almost a separate organization, but it sounds like at Jet there's an integration. Yeah, I mean, you always have that, right? Uh, uh, I've been in the field myself for many years as well, and the competition always looks better, and the product is always <laughs> better, and, uh, uh, and uh, nobody listens to us. We always have different priorities, but that's usually like... Yeah, you, you got to get rid of a bit of frustration, right? That's normal. Uh, but if I look at uh, the openness that people have uh, to listen to us, I think that's pretty uncommon. Uh, I see yeah. there's a lot of room for us to provide input to the different uh, teams, whether it's the logistics team or whether it's uh, product and tech. They actually listen. And uh, uh, they can't say yes to everything because they also have their things and their priorities. But actually, they're listening. And I, I think that is uh, it's pretty uncommon for a company where a sales team has that influence. So um, th th that's also a very good thing about uh, being working at Jet. So I think over the last uh, 20 minutes or so, we've probably answered this to a degree. But is there a secret to becoming EVP of sales? <laughs> I always get this question. Um, there's no secret. It's just uh, hard work and uh, saying yes more often to opportunities uh, than you say no. And then at some point you you are at a level and 
you deal with that level. But there's no magic recipe or roadmap or blueprint uh, how you get there. You just have to keep your eyes open and, and, and seize the opportunity. Is that part of your philosophy of life, saying yes to opportunities more than you say no? Provided the opportunity is right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'll leave you to tell that to your daughters. Um, here, this is again a, a kind of philosophical question. Why do you go to work? To win. Okay, uh, let's leave that there. Let's leave that there. That's great. Guido, thank you so much. Well, that Ed, thank you. It was very pleasant to, to have this, uh, this conversation. Thank you for listening to We Are Jet. If you'd like to know more about working at Just Eat Takeaway, go to careers.justeattakeaway.com. Our career website can also be found in our show notes. My name is Ed Palmer. Talk to you soon.